A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am your host. And I'm so very, very glad to be with you today. And I'm so glad that you are here. If you are new, welcome. I hope you enjoy today's episodes, episode and all of the episodes before that. And if you are a return listener, welcome back. I'm so very happy that you enjoy our conversations enough to return. Today, we will be talking about chat GPT, which if you are in the education world, higher ed, K-12, You've probably heard about this AI thing that is going to make students not think anymore. And my guests today are here to talk to you about why you shouldn't really be scared of it, about how it can be used inappropriately, but there are ways that you can use it appropriately too. And we're also going to talk about implications for history, which is really, really important in our in our listeners' world. So today I have Daniel Hutchinson. Thank you so much for being here. He is an associate professor in the history department at Belmont Abbey College, where he also directs the Digital Humanities Program. Daniel's research focuses on the social history of the American home front during World War II, and he is currently exploring AI's potential as a historical research methodology and a teaching tool. Daniel, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to have this conversation because, I mean, I know lots of teachers are really freaked out about chat GPT. It came out in November and now all of a sudden there's an explosion online of people arguing about it and talking about it. So this is an important conversation for us to have. Absolutely. It's a technology that is going to be disruptive to the world of education. But like new technologies like the search engine or yeah, computerized databases, It has opportunities to both enhance the learning experience and the teaching experience, as well as some major challenges that we have to collectively think through um, how how we approach it. But I think it is both, um, it's understandable why people are nervous, but I think there's also reason for excitement as well. I love that you use the word disrupted because disrupted does not need to be a bad thing. Disrupted can actually make something even better. I mean, I remember when teachers, I wasn't a teacher then, I was a student, but I remember when teachers were afraid of Google. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, when Google came online and suddenly students were able to access um, huge amounts of knowledge as well as term papers written by others, yeah, it represented an opportunity for students to engage in new forms of misconduct. But I don't think anybody would ever say we need to go back to a world before search engines or before academic databases. It's unimaginable. These technologies are going to aid and enhance our teaching and our learning, but we as educators have to provide our students with information literacy about what the limits of these tools are and and where they can be strong and where we need to take real care and caution. I love that attitude. So before we keep going, some of our listeners might not know what ChatGPT is, or they might have heard of it, but they're not really sure about what it is. Can we define it Absolutely. So ChatGPT is a form of what is popularly called today artificial intelligence, although um, I really want to emphasize there's a lot of debate about whether this term should be used. Um, ChatGPT isn't intelligent. It doesn't have any true knowledge in ways that we as human beings might understand. 
but it's really strikingly effective in simulating the things human intelligence is necessary for, like learning, problem solving, decision making. Uh, ChatGPT represents the most advanced of these models, which are sometimes called large language models. And the way they gain their abilities, sort of like a historian, they pour over huge amounts of information and gain um, insights from that information about how to solve problems, how to read texts, how to make inferences. And, and what makes ChatGPT such the phenomenon that it is, is that it is specifically designed to interact with us. Humans gave feedback to the company that produced ChatGPT, known as OpenAI. And this human feedback really allowed the AI to provide responses that fit to how we understand and how we use language. And right out of the box, without any special tricks, ChatGPT can indeed write whole academic essays, which is, of course, the big fear and concern we all have. But for a busy history teacher, ChatGPT could also help generate lesson plans, assignment ideas, lecture outlines, rubrics. Um, imagine yourself in a time crunch and you need aid and assistance. ChatGPT can do some of that time-consuming work for you. Um, and as long as you're in the loop and supervising what ChatGPT can do, it can, in a sense, be an AI teacher's assistant, which could be real value for any educator. I, I love it as a virtual assistant. I wanted to know what it was, so I signed up for an account, and I was pressed for time, and I needed to write an email. So I asked ChatGPT to write the email for me. And then, of course, I edited where it didn't sound human or it wasn't quite right. And then I used that email and an email that might have taken me 15 to 20 minutes really took me about five. So, I mean, in that way, I can see its use. And then also the way that you just explained it, it really is very similar to when you're using a chat bot when you are asking for help from the bank or asking for help from a from some sort of shopping website, because you're not talking to a real person every time. It's just you ask it questions and it talks back at you. Um, so before our before our interview, I wanted to play with it a little bit more so that I'd have some more examples that I could use. So the first thing I asked it to do was uh, I talked to it like it was a person. Can you analyze a Phyllis Wheatley poem? And it said, certainly. <laughs> Please provide the poem you would like me to analyze. So I asked it for America and it it gave an analysis. Now, I can see a student using that in an improper way, but also I am remembering that it's not, um, especially if I'm doing research or a research paper with the kids, it's not citing anything. There are no citations in there. So that's like one way that you can tell that the work is not theirs. All of the things that it can do, I mean, you kind of can imagine it and it can do it. So you can ask it questions about anything. You can ask it to write a paper, which you shouldn't do, but you can. Uh, you can also ask it to write a letter. It can explain different concepts to you. It can do math problems for you and walk you through it. Uh, I also then asked it to write me an ode to middle school students. And it's beautiful. Oh, youthful souls with curious minds in transition of a childhood left behind. A journey now begins with challenges ahead. The teenage years ahead are yet to be led. And then it continues to go on. So uh, there are a lot of different things that you can do with it, a lot of different ways that you can actually use it um, productively, in my opinion. So could you maybe tell us about your specific project? What does chat GPT, or I know you said not to use AI, but I'm not sure if you're using any other AI programs. How does it act like a historian? How, how does that work? Sure. 
So I designed a um, an interactive digital history experiment that educators and students can use to test how an AI processes historical information. And um, on this um, digital history experiment, which I call, what do AIs know about history? The AI is given a, a several different historical tasks and asked to see how, how it processes knowledge about the past. One method that'll be familiar to, I think a lot of your listeners is the advanced placement exams for history, for US, for European and for world history. Believe it or not, these curricula, which we teach and test every year, this is part of a standard benchmark for how AIs are measured on what they know about the past. So the same thing I know, the same thing we use with our students is also used to train AIs. And when the AI is given these questions, and they're multiple choice questions, if it gets 25% correct, that's random chance. That means it's doing no better than just picking at random. Um, 80% is considered expert level. So someone who's got a probably a, um, a teacher or educator level of, of knowledge, that is where it's at. And the tests that I ran using GPT-3, which ChatGPT is based on, um, in these initial tests for, for American and European history, it got almost 80%. Right out of the box, it almost demonstrates an expert level comprehension of AP curricula. European history came in a little lower at 60%, and I have a working theory about why that is. But um, we can say that AIs can do pretty well in, on an AP exam, which fits with other disciplines that we know. ChatGPT has been tested on things like the MCAT and the LSAT, and it passes those exams just as it um, will pass an AP history exam. So that's a pretty, I think, important finding from the get-go to try to figure out what AIs know and what they don't know about history. What's your theory about European history? I'm curious. So the way these AI models know anything at all is that they're fed huge volumes of information from the internet. Now, as it happens, there's a couple hundred thousand people that take U.S. history every year, and there is online a lot of material to help students take that exam and teachers in preparing their, their materials for students. There's a lot of material up there for U.S. history. And I think U.S. history is the second most popular AP exam uh, period of all the exams. European history is 16th most popular, and thus it has a smaller footprint on the web. And my working theory is the AI then has less, in a sense, material to work with from its knowledge base to interpret European history. Um, now, that was on a test that I ran. Google has a AI model that it's all its own called Chinchilla. And when it ran the same benchmark, it achieved near 80% for each of these categories. So, so better AIs, which are coming down the, the pipe, will do even better on these exams, it seems like. So the capacity of AIs for historical knowledge is increasing with each new sort of iteration of the model. That's really, really interesting because I kind of wondered where it got its information from. And it sounds, it sounds very human. It sounds like it learns very similarly to us. It's true, but uh, the knowledge that gives it this power, it also powers some of its limitations. And it's important to, to talk about those as well. Um, the internet that these AIs are trained on contains the best of human wisdom, but it also contains the worst of human craziness on the internet. So you get sometimes in these AI applications, although there's been great pains to, to better this, 
sometimes you see bias. Sometimes you see um, uh, objectionable language or framing. And you definitely see inaccuracies. That is things that are definitely not correct. And the AI is not always good about identifying its weaknesses and its shortcomings in these areas. And any educator using these in the classroom has to understand um, the strengths of these technologies, but also these important blind spots. And, you know, that also sounds really similar to our students because they're not always able to figure out why they're wrong, where information should come from, et cetera. So it, it sounds kind of to me, one of the ways that we could use chat P GPT in the classroom is have chat GPT generate an answer, have it generate something that we would want our students then to be able to say, hey, wait a second, this is wrong, or this sounds, this sounds really great because if it sounds really great and the kids are reading it, it's teaching them a new way to write. Exactly. Um, and if it goes with the notes that they're taking in class and all the sources that they have, they know it's correct information. It's a new way for them to learn how to put language together to write like a historian. Absolutely. And then on the other hand, if it's incorrect, it's showing them the limitations of chat GPT. It's showing them that they need to check more than one source to make sure that what they're reading and what they're interpreting and what they are ultimately analyzing in, in the historical context is accurate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think using these technologies is an opportunity to have a conversation about the way we use forces, the way we use information and the way we do history in, in the get go. Um, just the same way we would have warnings and advice for students using Wikipedia or an academic database. We need to come up with those same conversations, those same forms of information literacy to help our students with this technology, which has a lot of potential, but also um, some areas of potential concern we have to acknowledge. And I think one of the worst things that we can do is when a new technology comes out, tell students to stay away from it. Yeah. Because if you ask them to do that, it's like telling them to stay away from a piece of candy. They're going to use it. So if this tool is here and it's here to stay, we as teachers need to find a way to adapt to it, to use it, and to have conversations with our students about appropriate use. I have already had conversations with students about ways that they can use chat GPT because they're going to use it. So I'm not going to say stay away from it. It's bad because you know what? It's not. It's it's there. It just it is what it is. But I am going to tell them, I realize and recognize that you are going to use this. Here is an appropriate way to use it in my class. If you need a sentence starter, if you're not sure how to begin a sentence, ask it for a sentence starter. Just the same way I would give you one, except I'm not there. If you are looking for a new way to say the same thing. So I am in your essay and I'm telling you that you are repetitive or I am telling you that I need you to vary your word choices. You can ask it to help you vary your word choices because I'm teaching eighth graders. They don't necessarily know to go through a thesaurus to find new word choices and know how to use those words that they're finding that they've never seen. And then, so those are the conversations that I'm having with my students rather than giving them, telling them it's a forbidden fruit. And those conversations are vital because this technology is going to come far more accessible very soon. Uh, Microsoft, who is uh, the company that in many ways behind OpenAI and, and ChatGPT, their next goal is to implement these technologies into uh, Microsoft Office. So you're going to be able to open up a version of Microsoft Word that will automatically be able to use this technology from the get-go. Google's going to be doing the same thing with G Suite. So 
right now, technologies like ChatGPT, you might be able to ban it, but how are you going to ban Microsoft Word or Google Docs? That's that's where the future of these technologies are going. And so coming up with some playbooks to work with our students to educate them on this is, I think, a priority for us as educators. We're, we're a really long way from Clippy, aren't we? <laughs> we sure are. Clippy has become <laughs> super powered. <laughs> Another way that I thought that students could use it is to have a conversation with it. Mm-hmm. Talk history with ChatGPT. See what it has to say. So this is a really exciting area, but it's one that I think that we've still got to work out some of the ethics about. ChatGPT, if you ask it to take on the persona of a historical personality, it'll do that. Oh. Right. So you can automatically see problem areas that could pop up from this in really big ways. But also there's some excitement about how this possibility could be used in constructive ways. For example, you can now get an AI to use a historical text as it's in a sense script for answering questions. So imagine you wanna teach a student a difficult text. You can use the AI to in a sense, teach the student how to have a conversation with their homework, with their text. And putting it behind a historical personality can be a way to capture students' imagination a little bit more effectively, but it raises a lot of uh, challenging concerns that historians, educators, and ethicists really need to sort of tackle sooner rather than later. And honestly, that's not really a new question because many of us have or still do. We do simulations in the classroom where sometimes we ask students to take on a historical persona. I don't do those anymore because... As I got more experienced, it kind of clicked to me like, this is not the best idea. I certainly never did it with certain groups, but now I don't ask them to take on the persona of anyone in particular because you just don't know. So even in that sense, ChatGPT is just a different way of doing the same things that we've been doing and a new way to think about the same things we've been thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it, It raises, it's a new medium for us to, ask old and enduring questions, which um, gives us as educators an opportunity to highlight those um, essential elements for what history is all about, which is timeless regardless of the technology. So I've talked about some ways that I've imagined using this in my classroom and some of the conversations that I've had with my students. You've been with this far longer than I have. I mean, I've I think I signed up for chat GPT in the beginning of January. Mm. So, and I've been thinking about it since the beginning of January. That is not a long time to have a thought. I've been having lots of them, but it's not, it's not a long time to have thoughts about this particular medium. What are some of your recommendations to history teachers about ways that they can use it in the classroom for their students, or even ways to have conversations with kids about this new technology? Yeah. So in terms of maybe specific techniques or approaches you can use in the classroom with these technologies, one that I think is particularly promising, give a student a historic text with some difficult language in it, say Shakespeare or the Declaration of Independence or some text which has some important language but maybe challenging for the reader to understand. If you ask ChatGPT to rephrase it in a way that a student, an eighth grade student can understand, it will summarize it in a plain spoken way. It provides greater accessibility in a sense for for readers who may be struggling to uh, grapple with 18th century terminology. 
that's one approach that seems to work. Students really like this. And it works not just for historical um, sources. It could work for technical sources as well. If you're doing science, if you're doing STEM, it'll break it down into ways that students can understand. You can also ask ChatGPT, this is sort of fun. Um, you can ask it to explain concepts in culturally relevant ways. What I have students do is imagine your favorite TV show and have ChatGPT explain this concept through the characters of the TV show you watch. So it'll create a mini sort of skit or dialogue using characters from the TV show to illustrate a particular historic point. So that allows students to connect with the content in ways that are familiar with them and maybe um, in, a, in a more engaging way, perhaps. That is such a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's fun. And, and students, students seem to like it. Um, I will tell you, though, there is some, I think, ambivalence among students about these technologies. They, they appreciate the ability of applications like ChatGPT to generate uh, text or to analyze information. But I've heard students say, look, I'm worried about becoming over-reliant on these. If I can't figure out how to read, how to analyze, how to put stuff together, then what am I going to do if the AI is not there? Or really, what's the purpose of my educational experience in the first place? And that's been sort of refreshing to see that students are asking themselves important questions about what the purpose and the meaning of their education is in the first place. For them to get self-ownership of it, I think, is an important opportunity that these technologies might be able to facilitate. And I think that is a really cool conversation that you can have with students as well. So what are the benefits of your education? Why are we teaching you how to think? And why don't you want AI, be it chat GPT or chinchilla or whatever, why don't you want AI to think for you? And if you think about AI as another human being, which I know is a little weird for some of us, but like if you think about AI as a person, you don't want a, another person representing your thoughts. You don't want another person trying to speak for you. You want to be able to speak for yourself. And in most situations, you need to be able to do that. So that's another part of the conversation that teachers could be having with their students as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's going to be a challenge, I think, for educators for students, um, but I think these technologies can unlock some real opportunities to um, explore the past in really exciting and dynamic ways and allow all of us to perhaps produce better material in a more timely manner. I wonder, I haven't tried this yet, but now I'm thinking about it. I wonder if it can also help us find primary source documents as well. Do you know if it does that? So one of the major limitations of ChatGPT is asking it for any sort of sources or citations. It will give it to you, but often when you double check the source of the citation, if it isn't something like straight out of Wikipedia, it's often made up. Yeah. Um, this is one of the easiest ways to check if a paper is human written or AI written, check the sources and see if the sources exist or not. Um, ChatGPT has a tendency to uh, just generate um, convincing looking sources that don't actually exist. Um, and that's one of the major challenges of the present technology. Where this technology is going, however, is these AIs are going to have access to the internet. They're going to be able to look up sources and they're going to be able to provide more accurate information in this regard. Um, but it's worth a look. It, it does have access to, say, Gilder Lehrman's uh, primary source material. If it's on the web, it's seen it probably. And you might be surprised with what it kicks out. 
I was just wondering if I could put in something like, help me find a letter from George Washington that says X, Y, or Z. And then, of course, you always have to double check everything because, I mean, even if you're using Wikipedia or you're using Britannica, you want to see what the sources are. So again, it's nothing new. Same idea, um, just a different medium. So just... I have a couple more questions because I am so curious. And these are things that I've been hearing around my building and conversations with teachers around the United States. There are some teachers that really, truly believe that ChatGPT is giving students a tool to cheat. What do you say to a teacher who's like, nope, this is terrible. It's a cheating tool. I'm done. I would say I I respect your concern, but if that is... um... If that's the biggest fear, then you should probably also consider eliminating search engines and Wikipedia and access to other internet sources because um, in the end, ChatGPT is going to be another one of these sort of technologies in the toolkit of students and of educators that isn't going away. And so I, I totally get the concern. Nobody wants to read AI-generated prose that someone is claiming to be their own thinking. Um, but I think there has to be I think we have to get ourselves informed about these technologies so we can better help inform students. And simply saying, I do not engage with this. This technology has no place whatsoever in the classroom. I get that where that perspective is coming from, but I think ultimately it's not tenable, not even in the short term, much less long term. And then for teachers who are really super concerned about reading a student's assignment and thinking that it might possibly come from ChatGPT, there are ways that you can find out or that you can tell. I mean, if you go and you type a question in and it generates an answer, you it has a certain style of writing. So if I am picking up a book and my book is by my favorite author, I don't even need to see the author's name. I can tell just by reading the chapters in the book. It's the same way with ChatGPT. The more you read what it generates, the more you can see what kind of style it has so that you can say like, maybe this is not my student's writing. Additionally, if your student's writing is significantly better than it usually is, there's your tell. I mean, that's that would be your tell for finding out if it was a copy-paste job. It's the same idea. It's, it's But instead of copy-pasting off of something that they... that Google generated in a search, it, they're copying off of something that ChatGPT generated. And then also I've used this tool before as well. Um, there are places where you can copy paste your student's work and it will tell you, the the app, the web app will tell you if it is in fact AI generated. So I use the GPT-2 output detector demo. If you're interested in seeing what that is, I'll put the link in the show notes. And I'm also going to put the link uh, to Daniel's project in here because so cool. But basically what I think the two of us are trying to say is new things are scary, but it's a new thing with the same old problems. Yeah, it is. And um, as we work with students in understanding using these technologies and using them in appropriate ways, tools like the ones you've described are going to be really important. They have some limitations, too, that we have to sort of recognize. Um, they, uh, they can be very useful for detecting um, AI text, but they also can sometimes have false positives. Sometimes they can um, incorrectly identify something as AI written. These are, these are works in progress, just like these other technologies are. And so um, 
having good conversations with students, understanding where students' writing is through the through the progression of a particular semester or uh, or course of time, that's going to really help you figure out both how students are learning and using these technologies for good and ill. Love it. Thank you so so much for your time. I could probably sit and talk to you about this for hours and hours and hours because your wealth of knowledge really helped me. And I really hope that it helped our listeners today too. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you also to our listeners for joining us today and for learning. I'm sure that this is going to be an ongoing conversation. So you can find both of us on Twitter. Daniel's Twitter handle is D underscore Hutchinson, or you can check out his website, danielhutchinson.org. If you would like to find us on Twitter, you can do that and we can continue this conversation because I don't think this is the last time that ChatGPT is going to come up on this show or in your life. If you would like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at History Her Way or on Instagram at Teaching History Her Way. Or if you'd like to visit me on the web, www.teachinghistoryherway.com. Again, thank you so very much for listening today. I always appreciate you and I'm trying to bring you the content that you want to hear. So if there is something that you want to suggest, please let me know. And until next time, have a super day.